to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I'm so excited that you tuned in today. This week's episode features Essence Gant. She's a BuzzFeed senior editor. She and I met working on a panel at Cosmoprof in Las Vegas, and I was super impressed by Essence and couldn't wait to get to know her better. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Lauren and Rachel Piskin. They are the co-founders of Chase Fitness. I hope you enjoy the shows. So um, it sounds like you're super ambitious from an early age, right? So you Mm -hmm. were driven to do this, right? So you basically did whatever it would take to get you closer to this ideal career. For sure. Um, Why media and beauty? What appealed to you about it? I think it was, it kind of happened pretty organically. The person that I met um, when I was skipping class, coming into the city, she was a writer. So she was a writer, a blogger. She wrote for a few reality TV shows. And so I met her at an event and I was like, hey, like, let me be your intern. I'll work for free. And she was like, girl, how? And I was like, I'll figure out a way. So, I was, And she was like, okay. Um, she's like, your first assignment is fashion week because I don't want to go. And I was like, okay, I will definitely go. Um, and it's funny because now I'm like, fashion week, uh, I hate it. Um, but I was always kind of good at writing. Even when I was younger, my teachers would always say, you have such a good writing voice. Like your work, you know, it's so compelling the way that you word things and the way you tell stories. So that experience with her, it just kind of, I guess, reignited all of that. And um, it was writing, you know, for her blog. And that led to my first job. So it wasn't necessarily that I was just looking for any opportunity, whatever would open up in this big space that has like a lot of intersection overlap between entertainment, media, beauty, like all of that. So I was like, whatever opens up is what I'm going to go, you know, what I'm going to go for. And that's what opened up. It was writing. And, you know, I just went for it. And at your first fashion week, when you took the assignment for her, um, did she tell you what to look for? Or did you just like walk into the room and just figure it out? I just kind of walked and figured it out. She was like, go and write about it for my blog. And I was like, okay. And I went and I just, I just figured it out. And it was great. It was like, definitely, um, I remember being very anxious because it's a lot. Like, and I'm at this point, I'm still very much, I just left Georgia like yesterday, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm like this. And then I'm not even from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from Augusta, Georgia. So I'm like small town girl. And then to come to New York City during fashion week by yourself and trying to figure that out. And I was just like, where am I? Why is everybody dressed in stuff that looks like it costs more than my rent? And here I am in some, I remember I wore some guests over the knee boots, these guests, uh, like snake print kind of leggings. Um, a black shirt and like this cobalt blue blazer maybe. And looking back, it was a horrible outfit. I don't know why I wore that, but I did. And so- um, Did you feel confident in it? I did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what showed because I got a lot of like, I made a lot of good, you know, conversation and with people there and I got a lot of attention. I actually met June Ambrose. (laughs) there who is like a stylist icon um and she doesn't remember me but I obviously remember her because I knew who she was before that and I remember running into her into the lobby and I was like oh my god you Ambrose like can I get a picture with you and she was like yes sure of course I still have the photo 
And she and I was like, here's my card. Not that you would ever need it um, because I was just so scared and intimidated by her. You had a card? Yeah, I had a card. I made business cards on this site. And so I was like, I have a business card. Not that you would ever need it. And she was like, why would you say that? And she was like, you don't know who you're going to be one day. She was like, this is your opportunity to sell me on you. She's like, don't say that. I won't need your card. And I was like, my jaw just dropped. And I remember that. So when I meet her again one day, because I know it's going to happen, I'm going to tell her that story and how it really stuck with me. And I just appreciated that because she didn't have to do that. Like she didn't have to. What she did was she sowed like a seed of confidence in me in that moment. And because I was thinking like, I'm a nobody. I'm this small town girl. And here she is, this girl who's dressed Jay-Z and whatever. Like there's no reason she would ever need to even talk to me or need my card. And she was like, no, you are somebody. Like, I do need your card. That is such an incredible story. Yeah. And it's, um, I hopefully will inspire listeners to, you know, pay it forward and be kind to the people they meet, mm-hmm. no matter where they are in their career. Um, because it's right. Like, she, yeah. she, she should be meeting you. I was on the train with a woman who's so interesting, and we just got to know each other talking on the train. And she was saying, well, maybe I'll go to three days a week, and I'll just ask for less pay. I'm like, no. Yeah. You're worth it all. Yeah. Do not sell yourself short. Like, right. You know, we, we need to encourage each other, mm-hmm. right, and empower mm-hmm. each other. This is, for sure. Like, this is how we all, like, gain confidence. And she's absolutely. like, oh, yeah, you're right. I should just say I'm working three days a week. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, that's such a cool story. Thank you for sharing that. So you haven't sure. seen her again. I haven't. I haven't seen her again, but I feel that in my in my bones, like I'm going to see her soon. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure she would actually <laughs> appreciate you reaching back out and seeing yeah, her. Yeah, maybe I should maybe I should just reach out for an interview or something. Like I'm acting like I can't do that now. Right. I you, totally right. should. Yeah. And um I'm sure she would actually be delighted to know that that advice was taken. Yeah. You know? um, that's a really meaningful thing to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So um, when we were talking when during our intake call, you described yourself as very voicey. Mm-hmm. Um, what does voicey mean? So voicey is just like having, the way that I can describe it is like having seasoning on your <laughs> on your writing. Like, you know, so nobody wants, seasonless chicken. Like nobody wants bland chicken. So like voiciness is basically just the Lowry seasoning salt on the chicken. Like it just gives it an extra oomph, extra flair. So a lot of times when you read um, women's lifestyle content, it's like entered so-and-so wearing a tangerine frock and she sat by the window. It's like, okay, like we get it. Like, so instead of saying that, I may say something like, Jody slayed in an orange dress. Sis gave me life. She was killing it from head to toe, and I was left edgeless. Like, I may say that instead. So that's like voicey. It just adds, you know. And that's just in you. That's yeah, That's not it something is. that you're, like, sitting down with, like, a checklist of how to be voicey. No, it's it's just in me. And I think, I don't know if it could be, like, my Southern upbringing, because I feel like Southerners just are voicey naturally. Like, we have all these sayings that mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like what? So um, it's probably some of that. I think even just my cultural identity and background, like I'm a black woman, a black Southern woman. So we definitely have like, I mean, just watch any episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta and that is voicey like to the max. Um, so I think it's just naturally in me. And um, but I didn't know it was a thing and I didn't know it was like something valued in writing until pro- teachers and professors would tell me um, one of my teachers in high school, Miss Hooven, my literature teacher, she would always write on my papers like you have such a good voice. You have such a good voice. So then it was something that I was conscious of and I was able to nurture it. 
Um, so I'm appreciative of her and all my teachers who recognize that. So this idea of being voicey, it's so personal. So how do you help other writers who work for you um, cultivate their seasoning and their voice? I just tell people, or actually, I don't even want to take credit for this because it was something that BuzzFeed um told me when I got there, but just basically write like you're talking to your best friend. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing hard news, then don't, obviously, like use discretion. So if you're talking about what's going on in the White House, don't add seasoning, like (laughs) just give people the facts. But if it's lifestyle content or you're writing short stories or whatever, like Talk in the way that you normally talk to your friends, to your homegirls, um, but, you know, refine it, obviously, or whatever. But I say just keep it conversational. And I think that's the best. So, like, almost one of my, my the woman who hired me, Julie Ger- Gerstein, who's no longer at BuzzFeed, but she would always say, forget everything you ever learned about journalism. Like, I remember she told me that. And I was like, okay. So, like, just forget all of the, you know, not the grammar, you need that, but, like, everything else that you learned about journalism, just kind of forget it and just have a conversation. And that's what makes for compelling content. Because in everyday life, you don't want to be talked at. Like, you know, you just want to have a conversation. Right. So this is really a product of, like, the modern world that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe 15 years ago, no one would have encouraged you to do that. In fact, it might have discouraged you from doing it. Exactly. Um, So, I mean, that sort of speaks to what happens in beauty now. It's like... individuality, customization, you know, things mm-hmm. feeling more intimate and right. less mass. Mm-hmm. Um, that content you're creating speaks to what the consumer is actually looking for now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. So tell me, what is your job at BuzzFeed? I feel like I do a thousand different things, but I am the senior beauty editor, so I, I obviously write um, a lot of content. I edit content. I also um, act as kind of like a face and representative of the brand of the, you know, beauty and women's lifestyle content there. I do podcasts and panels and tell people all about all of the cool things at BuzzFeed and opportunities to collaborate and work together. I, um, what else do I do? Uh yeah, that I, yeah, I work with a lot of brands like beauty brands and, um, helping to, um, introduce their content and their work and their products to our audience and also introduce our audience to them. Um, so yeah, like in a nutshell. Is it a very big team that works with you? <laughs> no, it's actually not. We are small but mighty. We're like a small team, but we get a lot done. So it feels like we're big, but we're not. And I would imagine after hearing this interview, a lot of people would want to reach out to you for their first first starts in the business. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give somebody who wants to have your job someday? I would say, like, if they're reaching out to me or just in general, like general well, advice. Reaching out to you. So if you're reaching out to me, um, don't send me a novel of... And I, and this is going to sound so insensitive, but it's only because I have such limited time. So I'm not going to read a like novel of an email about how you grew up obsessed with beauty, reading whatever magazine you read, just because I don't have the time um, to read those kinds of emails. So just like a quick line, hey, if you want to say you love my work, that's great. Um, hey, love your work. I'm an aspiring beauty writer, can I talk to you for like five minutes on the phone? And I will more than likely say yes. I take phone calls all the time. And was that your experience when you were growing up in the industry? Were people not receptive to you when you asked for help? 
No. <laughs> no, actually, they weren't. And I don't even want to, um, in their defense, they probably thought that it would maybe it would have been a waste of their time because I don't have a beauty background. I don't have a journalism background. I have two degrees in social work. So they were probably like, talk to me for what? Like, no, like, you know. Um, so I don't necessarily think they were out here telling every girl no. But I think for me, it was like a, it was just weird. It was unknown. It was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you want to work in media? Or like, you don't have any experience. You don't have any internships in this. You don't know anybody. Like, who sent you? Who referred you? So um, it wasn't really the same. But as I got more uh, established in my industry, there are a few women that I can think of who've definitely like helped me and given me great advice and who I know if I needed something I could call on. But I think at this point, I'm just so used to kind of hustling on my own mm-hmm. that I don't really reach out that much for help. I should do I should do it more, but I'm just not used to having it as an option. Yeah. Or I mean, because you are so busy and, you know, doing things your way, maybe mm-hmm. it's also just nice to reach back out to the people who were kind to you. Yeah. And sometimes just that yeah. like, little sprinkle of gratitude yeah. mm-hmm. and just lift something up and reveal something new for you. For sure. Um, we, um, in our office, we have a bell that we ring when like good things or exciting things happen. Aww. And we get to ring it a lot because it's all these small little gratitudes, even just yeah. like being in a client meeting where like the client was like, Ugh. yeah, and, like just handling it better than we've ever handled it before is like yeah. a gratitude. So yeah, for sure. Trying to celebrate all these little wins. I love that. Yeah. It's um the bell, the bell is the best part. I think yeah. I saw it on the TV show, like um, salespeople ring bells when they close deals. Uh, Ah, okay. <laughs> I, like, oh, I want a bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's go back in time to your tripping, having trips into the city, trying to make connections, and you actually do get a job, right? Yes. This is at Hair Hype? Hype Hair. Hype Hair. Yes. Okay. So tell me about that job. So that was my very first job out of grad school. I started two days after I graduated. Um, they paid you. This was a job job? Yes. Uh-huh. They paid me. Not much, but I got paid. <laughs> um, and so... I was the editorial assistant. It was only three full-time people on staff, including the editor-in-chief. So there was the editor-in-chief, myself, the editorial assistant, and then another girl who was a writer, editor. I can't remember her title. She was great, though. Her name was Karen. So um, there was actually hype hair, and it was in the same um, building as the publisher who also owned this magazine called Today's Black Woman Style Report. So the editor-in-chief was the editor-in-chief of both of those magazines. So I was the editorial assistant for both of those magazines. Um, so And so was Karen. She was like a writer on both magazines. So every issue basically was split into half for both Hype Hair and Today's Black Woman. And I wrote half and Karen wrote half. And um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, very little pay. But I don't regret it because it gave me, I feel like it it gave me um, like a thick skin. Mm-hmm. Like once you do something like that so young and like you're already super vulnerable because you're out of place. Like this isn't my home. I just graduated grad school. I'm living, literally I was living in a hotel because I didn't find an apartment yet. So I was living in a residence inn or like, a, um, not a residence inn, uh, one of the hotels that has everything, like a kitchen, mm-hmm. you know. So I was living in that. And um, it just really pushed me like so far out of my comfort zone and just tested every bit of patience, strength, resourcefulness that I had. Um, and because of it, I'm, 
I know that it's given me what I needed to succeed now. So I don't regret it. It was very hard. I would not go back if you paid me. <laughs> but I'm glad I went through it when I did. When you started that first week or the first few weeks, were you scared? Yes, I was scared. I was intimidated because I was like, oh, I'm not a real journalist. Like, I just, you know, kind of this opportunity just kind of fell into my lap. And it didn't because I I did the work to get it. Like, I, I networked. I, like, skipped school, like, skipped class to get this. I even almost failed a class because I was skipping so much um, to, to get this opportunity. So a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hustle and a lot of hard work went into me landing this opportunity in this moment. But for whatever reason, when I first started, I just still felt insecure about it. Like I didn't belong and like I wasn't worthy of it because I didn't get a master's in journalism or communications or whatever. And so it took me a long time. And I feel like even when I first got to BuzzFeed, like, I feel like I just kind of shook that feeling of feeling like I don't really belong here. I'm not worthy. Like these people went to NYU and they have whatever in journalism or whatever. And I was just like, finally to the point where I'm like, no, I actually am pretty dope and I belong here. And my resume speaks for itself. So bam. So this um, <laughs> imposter, it's imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've felt it up until really recently. So I, um, I always would go to these events and like mm -hmm. all the water people would be in a click together and all the L'Oreal people would be in a click together and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I never worked at those companies. Right. I worked in beauty, but not at those companies. And I always right. felt, well, I'm less than because right. I don't have that experience. I'm right. just like you didn't go to school for journalism. I didn't right. go to the school of life at Lauder. Yeah. And um, it really wasn't until recently, I mean, I'm 43 years old. I've been in this business a long time that I've realized like, Oh, the fact that I like worked at entrepreneurial companies in my career is actually like really, really good. Right, right. Way better than right. had I been in a really hierarchical company. For sure. And that made me create this yeah. and my agency and everything mm -hmm. else that I do and started to really re um, see it in through a different lens. Yeah. It's taken a long time. Yeah, for sure. It ha it does take a long time. Like it's it's like self work. Like you know you have to slowly but surely get there and tell yourself that like you're worthy and you belong, and then you have to yeah. eventually believe it. Um, yeah. It's probably like the hardest thing to shake though, because I think mm -hmm. it goes back to like any old baggage that we have. Yeah, which is. Um, Am I wearing the right outfit for, for this sure. party? Right, like all the adolescent stuff. It's mm -hmm, basically like mm -hmm. adolescence again. It is. It is. We and we are like. I've noticed that. Like, I'm like, and the older I get, the more I realize I'm like, adults never really grow up. <laughs> Like we get older and we get more responsibility and we get like some new perspective, but those little things, like those little insecurities are just like things that we worry about are still there. You know, we manage them better, but we never, I don't think ever fully grow out of those things. Well, some people manage them better. Some people are just a mess. Yeah, true, true. Like sideways, like they're mm -hmm. either like, they act like prima donnas or jerks. Yeah, for or sure. they take other people down. Yeah. And I think that stuff comes through in really Absolutely. sad ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me, okay, with the last few minutes we have remaining, what are your goals for yourself at BuzzFeed? Because what you guys have as a platform is really so unusual. Yeah. And you really are, I mean, you're like the social worker of beauty, right? Like you get oh. to advocate, right? Yeah. And teach and mm -hmm. guide and be mm -hmm. hold someone's hand through um, hard conversations. You know, yeah. you lead very often on BuzzFeed. So what is your goal for, for that your role there? I think my goal for my role there is to just continue to be a voice in, in this space and to even be even more visible because I think that's a big part of it, right? So like you can create amazing content and a byline is everything, 
but also what helps to really shift perspective and narrative and people's perception of themselves is to see other people who look like them killing it in a certain space. So I like there are women I can name who reminded me of myself like when I was younger. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be like which, you know, rest in peace to Kim Porter. Um P. Diddy's ex who recently passed, but I was like, she's so beautiful, this like black girl, she's out here, she's unapologetic, she's killing it. People like Naomi Campbell, like who were just so um, certain in who they were in all parts of their identity and they were so visible. And I think that visibility is super important. So if I had a goal at BuzzFeed, it would be to just um, increase my visibility, be even more visible, do more things like this, more podcasts, more panels, more, you know, things on social media when I work with brands, um, just anything that's more visible and just to really show other girls who look like me and even who don't look like me, but who just are used to seeing one thing. Like, you know, beauty can be very one dimensional. You see the same person over and over and over. So for anybody who always sees the same person over and over and over and just feels like they don't fit, if you see something out of the norm, which I'm very out of the norm for this space, then it's like, oh, well, maybe I can do it. Because that black girl with the Afro puff who's dark skinned and wears big hoops did it. And I'm not used to seeing people like her in this space. So maybe there's a chance. Right. That's, that's all she, I want. And she studied social work. You know, and she like, studied oh. social work, got a <laughs> master's in it, still paying for it. And she doesn't use it. <laughs> um, okay. So for people who want to reach out to you, do you answer DMs? I do answer DMs. Okay. Yes. Actually answer DMs. <laughs> that's probably you probably have a better chance of reaching me via DM than email because I get so many emails. Um, But yeah, if you DM me, I will answer it. If you email me, I will answer it. But you just have to make the subject line something like heard you on podcast Mm -hmm. and then I'll like open it. And would you reveal what your email address is on the show? Yes, it's essence, E-S-S-E-N-C-E dot Gant G-A-N-T at BuzzFeed.com. And it's Gant, not Grant. No R. So if you put an R in it, it's going to bounce back. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and wisdom with us today. Thank you. This is so cool. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Essence. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at We're Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. And we answer our DMs too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.